This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arakoglu, and with me, as always, is my co-host Meredith Carey. Hello! This week, we're chatting with two new mums who you've heard on the podcast before about the tips and tricks they're using to travel with their young kids this summer. We're joined by TV host and journalist Anika Raymond and Traveller's Travel News Director Erin Florio. Thanks so much for making the time to chat with us. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So, Onika, you had your daughter, Kira, not long before the pandemic began. And Aaron, your son, Leo, was born in the middle of the pandemic. Unlike a lot of other people right now, your return to travel isn't a return to the normal way you were traveling before the pandemic, since you're involving someone new in your planning. Um, How has the return to travel been for both of you? What has that experience been like? Uh, Well, for me, I can say it's been very slow and very considered in ways that it wasn't before the pandemic. And that's both because I am a new mother and also because the world is a different place to travel in these days. So I find the way that I'm making decisions has so many more factors going into it. And I'm making, you know, these travel-based decisions that surprise me even. Um, I am choosing to stay closer to home, and I am. That is the opposite of how Aaron in 2019 and before would have traveled. Um, and there's just so many things to go into it. So I know that for me has been a big difference. Is it's slower and far more considered? Absolutely, I have to echo what Aaron said. Um, there's a lot more preparation going into traveling these days. Once upon a time, I could book a ticket and be on a plane and and arrive at my destination without any lodging. But now with with a baby, I'm like, okay, I need to call to get her attached to our reservation to ensure that we're sitting together on the plane. I have to, or rather my husband, because <laughs> he's more of a planner than I am, but uh, he has to call ahead and ensure that there's a pack and play in the room. Um, when we're choosing accommodation, for example, currently we're in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, and it's been a real learning experience because we got this really beautiful Airbnb only to discover that it's not childproofed at all. So all of these cute little accoutrements that are in the apartment, you know, light fixtures, all these different things we've had to move around and reconfigure because my daughter, who's a very active 17-month-old, is grabbing everything and breaking everything. So there's certain things like that um, that we've had to adjust. I guess we've had to adjust our travel style. And we travel with a lot more things. I've always prided myself on being a carry-on only traveler. And I'm still traveling with only carry-on. But oh my goodness, 
I don't have anything for myself. Everything <laughs> is basically for the baby from her food to, you know, her toys to diapers. All these different things that were not part of my packing list before are essential now. You know, it sounds like the two of you pre-pandemic were quite spontaneous, fly by the seat of your pants types of travellers. You know, just on a personal level, has it been hard to make those adjustments and kind of wrestle with the fact that travel for you is different now? Yeah, I'll go first. Yes, yes, and yes. And don't let anybody tell you different. I mean, everybody's experience will be, you know, different, I guess. People will will experience different things. Um, But one thing I try to do is I try to be really honest about the experience. And yeah, sometimes I've lamented the fact that I can't travel the way I used to. Um, I was actually just in Tulum earlier on today, and there were a couple of um, bars and restaurants that I had pinpointed previous to getting there that I wanted to visit. And we go up to the door of one of them and they're like, no kids allowed. So we couldn't enter. And once upon a time, when I used to club hop and bar hop and be on the scene, (laughs) you know, that was unfathomable. And now I'm like, okay, I need to be home by 7 p.m. because my daughter needs to be put to bed or there needs to be a a sizable break in the middle of the day so I can put her down for a nap. Because if I don't put her down for a nap, it's going to be horrible for everybody involved. And so I just have to move differently. Um, But I love seeing the world through her eyes now. So there are certain things that I would not have done before, activities that I would not have done or enjoyed before that now I'm doing with her and I'm, I'm having the best time just seeing her discover. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with that. Everything um, everything about how you might have done something in the past kind of has to be different. I was very similar. I mean, for me, when I was going to a destination, it didn't matter what the destination was, but the bars and the restaurants are always sort of the most important part. And now it's like, well, I probably won't make it. And that's okay because it even allows me, I haven't gone to Paris with my child, but it allows me hypothetically, if I were to go to Paris with him to see it in a different way, because I will be prioritizing different things that I wouldn't have allowed myself to prioritize in the past. We have not done a lot of city travel. We've done a little bit of city travel with him. Um, We've done all domestic, but I can, you know, relate this even to the way I'm experiencing New York City right now, which is the place that I live, but I'm also sort of, you know, it's reopening and I'm for the first time experiencing this city as a mother and with a child. And you do have to plan very differently when you're going out in the day and you're exploring and you're walking, you need to factor in you need to anticipate what his schedule is going to be and make sure that you plot your course appropriately so that you do have a place where you can sit for an hour so that you do have a place where you can feed. And these were things that you completely take for granted before. And while that is me in New York, that could be me in any city as a traveler. So you do have to to plan very, very differently. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I have traveled internationally with my daughter. Um, We've traveled to Germany. We've traveled to Greece. We've been to Aruba. We're currently in Mexico And I echo Aaron's sentiments once again. There are so many things to consider, even traveling to Europe and and thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to walk from point A to point B because that's one of the things I love to do in European cities. They're so gorgeous. But having to consider the climate, the temperature, um, having to consider the timing, the length, the distance. um, How am I going to carry a stroller or push a stroller over cobblestone streets? 
in fact, I'm going to have to use the baby carrier, but now my daughter is 25 pounds and I can't comfortably carry her on my body. So if my husband's not with me, then we're going to have to use a stroller and we're going to have to move really differently. Or even getting into a car, a car share service, an Uber. Again, if you don't have a car seat with you, well, you can't get into a car safely with a child. Um, Changing tables. My daughter is still in diapers. We were just in Tulum earlier on. We weren't able to change her in the restaurant because they did not have an area to do so in the restroom. So I had to change her in the trunk of the car. (laughs) These are just realities, (laughs) everyday realities that parents face that if you're not a parent, if you're not traveling with small children in particular, you would just never consider. You know, you're both talking about having to plan so much more. And I think right now during this time when travel is complicated for, you know, a person traveling on their own who doesn't have to worry about anyone else, it's already complicated. Um, You know, there's a lot of extra planning that goes into it. And as we're returning to travel, you know, vaccinations and vaccination status is coming into play as to where and how we're traveling. You know, you both are in a unique situation in that both your kids are too young to get a COVID vaccine at the moment. How is that playing into how you're planning your travel and and how has that impacted how you guys are traveling right now? We haven't made any international trips. Um, It's not for a lack of wanting. And frankly, it's not for a lack of needing. Like so many other families, we have family overseas and we have family that haven't met um, my son yet. And letting them meet my son is obviously a priority. Now... I am fully vaccinated. My partner is fully vaccinated. I am fairly comfortable moving about the world as it is now. Um, One thing I do have to consider is the fact that my son obviously can't be vaccinated. And there is a lot of people in this world who still aren't. And there is still a risk of infection, even if it's small. So we have been wanting to go to Italy, which is where we have family. Um, It's been a trip that has become this can that we've been kicking down the road. In March, we thought it would be okay to go in May. In May, we thought it would be okay to go in July. Now our sites are set for September. And one of the reasons that we keep kicking it is not because we are worried about ourselves. It's because Italy is not a country that has the same vaccination rollout that we have had. And we are also very aware that when you bring a new child to a place uh, that you have a personal connection to, all of the relatives come, all of the friends come out, everyone's gathering, and you can't stop that. And We don't want to put ourselves in a situation where we have to control what should be a really happy experience because we're worried about making people gather who aren't vaccinated um, for our benefit. So that has prevented us from taking very necessary overseas trips. Um, And it's also informed the way we're traveling domestically. We have, you know, our domestic travels for the summer are um, fairly rural and fairly simple and fairly close to home. Um, And in part, that is because I don't know how comfortable I'm going to feel um, in anywhere that's too crowded with him in a place that I am not familiar with. Um, We did travel quite a bit in January and February around the US. And what I learned from that experience is even right now when I'm planning my trips for summer, even though the US is in a much safer spot than it was in January, um, there are things I want to avoid. I want to avoid unnecessary crowds. I want to avoid putting myself and my family in a place where I don't know that I agree with their level of protection. So we've been, we're staying uh, upstate, we're going to islands and we're keeping it fairly crowd free. And and, and that includes going to airports. Onika, what has been your planning process? Because I know you guys have been traveling internationally, which again, comes with testing for you guys and all sorts of other stuff in the mix. Absolutely. 
So, yeah, I mean, we have been, my, my husband is fully vaccinated. I'm fully vaccinated also. And um, last year, for example, so in the, the beginning, when we were still kind of in the throes of, of COVID, but uh, seeing light at the end of the tunnel, I suppose, uh, we were traveling domestically and we deliberately chose spots where we'd be able to socially distance. So we road tripped uh, through Utah, Arizona and Nevada. We did things that would allow us to be outside and away from other people. Uh, and so that was very handy. Now, when we had traveled to Germany, my husband is from, my husband is German national. So we traveled to Germany and we stayed there for a month and then uh, tagged a side trip onto Greece. Uh, Germany was doing far better <laughs> with the pandemic than the U.S. was. And so I felt comfortable at the time. Uh, and that's the thing with, with traveling right now. Things change so quickly that it is really incumbent upon you to be aware of what is happening and what is going on um, and consulting various sources in order to inform yourself so that you know what's going on and you you can prepare accordingly. Uh, now, I think we've relaxed a bit in terms of selecting destinations or in terms of, of which travels we will consider or which travels we will do. Um, given the fact that COVID is around, it's probably here to stay, but we're not in such dire straits anymore, at least in certain parts of the world. Um, we're here in Mexico, and we're particularly in the Quintana Roo state, which is not doing that well, to be quite honest with you, with regards to cases. They have rising case levels. Um, however, once again, we're in a position to socially distance. We um, are staying near to the beach. Uh, we don't know anyone here. So my daughter is not coming within six feet of anybody, to be quite honest with you. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely feeling way more comfortable uh, than previously about traveling. Yeah, what's been important through this whole pandemic and still important now is um, safety is super subjective um, and what one person's comfortable with for them and for their family is very different from somebody else. So it's important that everyone remembers just to do what they feel comfortable with and what makes sense and that they like can travel and exist within the boundaries they feel safe with their family. I mean, you know, listening to Onika's travels versus mine, her travels sound amazing. Um, her and her family were far more willing to probably go places that I might not have felt comfortable with. And I don't think um, either is right and either is wrong. It was just a, a matter of personal choice. So it's really important to remember that too. Yeah. And to add to that, I think one of the things I've been saying um, since the pandemic has started is that safety is in actions and not necessarily in destinations. So when we were in the thick of the pandemic last March, April, May, I mean, even up to this past January, I live in a high-rise condo building in New York City. I did not feel comfortable taking the elevator in my own building. So in December and January, we went to Florida and we booked a place in Miami Beach. We were in a low-rise apartment building uh, and we booked a month there and we were two blocks away, four blocks away from the beach. And we basically didn't come in contact with anybody that whole month we were there. So... Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, host of Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. This week, with the help of Dan Adler and Olivia Nuzzi, we're going inside the media circus swirling around Donald Trump's criminal trial. People want coverage of Donald Trump. There are sort of shades of 2015, 2016. I found it to be a, a total break from the reaction to a lot of Trump coverage in the last two years. Join me, Brian Stelter, on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. 
Listen wherever you get podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium, Apple Card, or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tires, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Uh, Looking ahead to summer and staying on the subject of Florida for a second, because Erin, I know you spent some time there um, earlier in the year and quite frankly... A beach in Florida sounds incredibly appealing to me right now and also sounds primed for social distancing, especially as more of us are vaccinated and we're feeling safer being out in the outdoors or nearer people again. What do you guys have planned for summer? Are you going to be back on the beaches? So uh, to your Florida point, yeah, I've spent a lot of time on the Gulf Coast of Florida, which I think is a fantastic place, um, especially for right now, like you said, Lale, uh, having fun outside and social distancing, but not even realizing that you're socially distancing, which is so key. You know, it's so nice to arrive in these places where it's organic, you know, these things that we're being forced to do to sort of present themselves and happen naturally. But beach, I mean, Lale and Meredith, you both know me. If I could have it my way, I would spend every day on the beach. But, you know, there's another hiccup in parenting, uh, having a new baby. I brought my baby to the beach I was so excited because if he likes the beach, then it means that we can go to the beach because my partner does not like the beach and all I ever want to do is be at the beach. Um, it didn't go so great. It was hard. <laughs> and again, I'm curious to know your experiences, but um, between the sand and the wind and the umbrellas and the gear, I thought the beach was very difficult first time as a parent. Um, that being said, we've booked ourselves to go to Nantucket for a week. I plan to be on the beach, but I also, you know, we booked a place like Nantucket because there's so many things to do off the beach as well. And it's all inherently outside. It's very easy to get to. It's, you know, there's a capacity. It's an island quite far off the coast. It's not going to be slammed with so many people, even though I know it will be crowded in summer. So we picked that because there's a lot of uh, different things we can do. And it feels very relaxing. It feels very different from New York City. And we sort of need that right now. But I will say in our planning, you know, we're, we're staying at hotels and we've stayed both at hotels and at um, Airbnbs with our baby. And there are pluses and there are minuses to both probably a little bit. But we um, have called in advance to make sure, uh, Anika brought up the 
pack and play to see if they have pack and plays available um, so that we don't have to lug ours on the ferry and in the car and every other way that we're going to get there. Um, also important was to call about room configurations because uh, the worst thing is to get into a room and then it's far too snug for that pack and play to comfortably be set up. You need actually, you need some floor space in your hotel room. So that's another key question to ask if you're planning on staying in a hotel and that's when we've asked and finally for me i don't know if this is the same for you anika but um i love a bath anyway but now it is imperative that i have a bathtub where i stay because i want to bathe my i can bring him in the shower but bath time is fun and he likes it and we like it so actually calling in advance and securing a room with a bathtub if they offer bathtubs is also key Erin, it just shows like what a different place my brain is at. That I was like, oh, Erin does, she does deserve a bath after a long, hard day with her child. I mean, trust me, I want the bathtub because I want my glass of wine and the bath while he's fallen asleep. But really, it's because he needs to bathe in the bathtub. I was like, oh, yeah, no, that does make more sense. Um, Onika, what are your summer plans thus far? Yeah, so I'm currently in Mexico, so I'll be here for another week or so. And then we are road tripping. We're hitting the road. We're um, flying to Denver and then road tripping Colorado and New Mexico. And I find that these trips lend themselves well to traveling with a baby uh, just because, again, we're experiencing the great outdoors. We can go at our own pace. We have our own car. We can stop, eat, do all the things we need to do at her rhythm and not necessarily at our rhythm. Um, and then as a family, our preference is to stay in Airbnbs or at least to get a one bedroom suite when we have a hotel because the baby goes to bed early. So if she's going to bed at 7.30, I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to go to bed at 7.30. And so it's nice to have a room that we can put her into and have a separate area so she can sleep and nap and do all the things she needs to do. And then our lives can can continue and we can do all the things we need to do while she's resting. Uh, bathtubs are absolutely imperative. We arrived at our Airbnb here in Mexico and realized that there was not a bathtub. So bath time has been a little bit hairy. You gotta ask. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta and, ask. And I've learned that now and, that's one of those things that I have to yeah. ask about before I book. And it's funny, at the very least, we require like a shower head that detaches so that you can kind of wash her down and spray her. This apartment does not have a shower head. So we've had to get creative. We've had to get cups, bowls. We've had to fill them up with water. Like it's it's like a whole experience. Um, and again, this is something that I wouldn't have considered um, once upon a time. When we, and something that I'm going to start looking at now, whether it's through TripAdvisor or some other you know review platform, is um, how high the bed is. Because even though we request a pack and play, my daughter, for the most part, refuses to sleep in the pack and play. So we can put her down in there. She'll sleep at most an hour or two. And then she wants to come into bed with us. So firstly, we need a king size bed so all three of us can fit in it. And secondly, I prefer for the bed not to be too high up off of the ground because I'm afraid of her falling. She sleeps like a maniac. So <laughs> she'll roll right off the bed. And she has done um, in the past as well. So there are all these little things that um, come into play when traveling with a child. It's forced me to be a more conscious traveler in so many ways and in ways that I never imagined. But once again, experiencing the world through her eyes, I mean, there's nothing like it. It's just so incredible to see her, I don't know, encounter 
like a sheep or something (laughs) or a chicken or seeing her eat new foods for the first time. I mean, there's really nothing like it. And so it's super fun, but it's it's a completely different way to move about the world. Yeah, I just want to share on that note, I just want to share some of the things that I have surprisingly learned to plan for or ask for, especially if you're booking an Airbnb. The first one is we all feel like we want to get away right now. We want to get remote. We want to get off the grid with our kids or whomever. Um, You know, a lot of baby equipment is in app form now and it's on your phone. So be conscious of getting off the grid so much that you don't have Wi-Fi because our baby monitor, we access it through Wi-Fi. So if you want to put your kid down and you want to still monitor and want to go out and have a drink, you know, on the porch or wherever you're going in your Airbnb, if you can't access the baby monitor, it makes it very difficult. So Wi-Fi is not just about being removed from your email. Like there's a lot of reasons to, to not get that far off the grid once you have a child. Um, also for safety reasons, frankly, let's be honest, if you need to make a call or anything like that. And another one is to check your Airbnb to see if they have a gate around a pool area. Um, I once rented an Airbnb with several very small children, a couple of toddlers, and there was no gate and we did not think to ask. um, And it made for a very stressful five days. Um, So just little things like that to be aware of. And also um, things like stairs. Not just because they can fall down it, but if a house or a room is not is only accessible via a big staircase, that's heavy. It's hard to carry your child all the way up and down those stairs. So just be conscious of that when you're renting a place. I want to loop back around to destinations briefly. You know, you've both kind of hit different types of places in the past year. And I'm curious to know any destinations that you found were particularly family friendly. Um, and then I'm going to ask Lale and myself to contribute places that we loved going as kids, which admittedly might be different now than they were when we were kids. But <laughs> but, but um, Onika, if you want to start, just any places that you felt like really worked for, for your family? Okay. You know what? I will recommend a place that was not very family friendly, but I loved it. <laughs> and that's Santorini. I traveled to Santorini with my daughter and my husband. She was, I believe, eight months old at the time. If any of you have been to Santorini, you'll know that it's a, you know, Santorini, Oya, uh, the, the whole island is full of stairs. So Fira, Oya, all these little towns on the island of Santorini. Uh, there are a lot of cobblestones. There are lots of different levels. Not great for a baby particularly a baby that does not walk. Um, and so we <laughs> had a little bit of trouble getting around. It was a, a bit cumbersome, but the pictures look fantastic. Gorgeous destination. However, on the flip side, we were just in Aruba and I absolutely loved it for um, traveling with small children. And one of the reasons is because my daughter loves the beach and the water is so shallow and so clear and so warm. So I felt very comfortable bringing my daughter into the water. The waves were not very strong on the the part of the island we were at, which is, uh, you know, like Eagle Beach, Palm Beach. That's where all the resorts are. Uh, The sand was really fine. I would say 99% of the restaurants we went to had a high chair. There were other kids there. So if my daughter started wailing, I didn't feel embarrassed or mortified because there were other people traveling with children as well. Um, And it just felt to be, you know, I felt it to be a very welcoming destination. 
full of families and, and not just adults only. So there were lots of different options there. So I loved it for traveling with my daughter. And also um, in terms of COVID, I felt quite, I guess, reassured there because they require a negative COVID test within 72 hours um, pre-departure. And um, so I, you know, I felt safer knowing that people had to test before coming into the island or coming onto the island. And Erin, how about you? What are your your top family-friendly places thus far? Well, honestly, I have to say that Anna Maria Island was very family-friendly. Um, I was there with a range of kids under the age of nine, and it's surrounded by beaches. And actually, Anika makes a great point. Some of the beaches are very shallow, which was very helpful for a three-year-old who's a little bit scared of the waves, but still wants to get wet. Um, and, you know, it, it's sort of that version of vacation land where you can rent the bikes and you can rent the, I forget the name of those canopy bikes, but I, I, you know, I had to pedal them for me and my niece and my nephew and everything. Um, but it's very slowed back down and it was very, very easy. And there's just a lot of amenities and facilities and it's just set up to accommodate families. Um, that would probably be my one. I, I have not traveled as much as a mother as Anika has, but that worked out very, very well, I have to say. Lale, what was your favorite place to go to as a kid that you could recommend now? To, to oh, my God. Well, you know, as the child of a Turkish father, I spent most summers in Turkey, um, which was magical and wonderful. And people in Turkey are obsessed with children. So much like Italy, I think, from what Erin suggested earlier, everyone is always just trying to hold you, you, me, the child at the time, <laughs> or, <laughs> or your child. Um, and I have very fond memories of it. But also we uh, used to go to Cornwall um, and to the beach in Cornwall with my grandparents a lot. And again, I think there's just something about being on the beach Sounds very English, but with a bucket and spade and just splashing around in the water, kids can occupy themselves for hours and hours. And it feels if you are not someone that is growing up or raising your children on the coast, it is just feels endlessly exciting, I think. Yeah, I can't wait to get back to Cornwall. I think it's going to be on my list when I finally get home. I spent all of my childhood summers on Hilton Head and it was sort of very similar. I mean, it was just plop us on the beach. And for me, you know, it felt like an eternity in the best possible way that we're like splashing the water where we're like riding waves, diving for the sand dollars under, kicking the sand dollars up from underneath your feet. And it was so simple and so easy. And I have such fond memories of it. And I think it's for that reason. because it was just so joyful and joyous to every day wake up and just spend eight hours on the beach. You know, we get pulled down there in our little red wagon down the road, off to the beach and it was just so lovely and easy and I think if you're you know if you're obviously a bit older than Kira and Leo you know children that are a bit older than that means you can kind of have a sort of like fake sense of independence as a child when you're on the beach because you can sort of stomp off and have these adventures on this strange kind of extended timeline for the day and your parents don't ever stop watching you but you as a child think that you've gone off and like done all this stuff on your own I think that's a great point I'm gonna suggest two places that I loved going as a kid when I was admittedly older than Leo and Kira but not 
a ton older, um, which were Bend, Oregon and Jackson, Wyoming, um, which are kind of very different from the beach, but still give you tons of outdoor activities and lots of relaxation opportunities. Um, Mm -hmm. I loved river rafting as a kid and again, because you're not on rapids or anything when you're going down the river, um, in Oregon, um, it was a less stressful experience for my parents and we could just chill fish off the side of the raft with our life jackets. And they knew that if we fell in the water, they could swiftly pull us back in. Um, and in Jackson, just being able to hike when we wanted to, but also just drive, almost have like a driving safari experience through the national parks up there, Grand Teton, be able to see the bison. Um, my parents could drive around, um, let us just like ooh and ah out the window and have a great time without having to exhaust us, um, which I'm sure was actually their MO, mm-hmm. by having to plan hikes or having to carry us or anything like that. So yeah, I think what you were saying, Onika, earlier about, you know, road trips uh, is so true, even if it's even if you're just driving through a national park or planning something much longer. Onika and Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. If people want to keep up with everything you get up to this summer with your adorable little kiddos, mm-hmm. where can they find you on the Internet? You can find me on Instagram at Aaron underscore Florio. And you can also find me on Instagram at Onika Traveler. Uh, and that's Traveler with two L's because I am Canadian. Perfect. I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. I'm at Lale Hanna. Be sure to follow Women Who Travel on Instagram at Women Who Travel and subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter, which will be linked in the show notes. Thank you both again so much for joining us. And we'll talk to everyone else next week. Hi, I'm Deborah Treisman, fiction editor of The New Yorker and host of The New Yorker Fiction Podcast. On the podcast, I ask a great contemporary writer to select a favorite story from the magazine's almost 100-year archive to read and discuss. Together, we delve into the story, exploring its themes, its style, and what makes fiction work. You can listen to authors like Otessa Moshfeg talk about why we write. Story, or attaching a story or creating a story, is this inclination that we all have to stop spinning. And you can hear writers like George Saunders discuss the nature of storytelling. On the first read, you accept these things as descriptions and they make you see the scene, but every line is a chance to inflect the reader's mind. You'll discover new favorite authors and read old favorites in new ways. Episodes of the New Yorker Fiction Podcast are released on the first of every month. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.